Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. ESG, or Environmental Social Governance, promises to help the bottom line and the planet at the same time. Is it too good to be true? Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of an episode digging into that very question. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Cape Coral's like copy-paste. It's like the, the builders just went and built the same house over and over again. Mandy Wells, her husband and her son, moved to Cape Coral, Florida in 2017, and they live in one of those copy-paste houses. The three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,600-square-foot home was modern and in great condition until October 2019, when Mandy noticed that the roof was leaking. Not good. Mandy had remembered seeing a roofing ad on Facebook. It was from Fort Myers-based Marlin Construction Group, and their website says they're licensed and insured. A red banner across the top of the homepage says, At Marlin Construction Group, your satisfaction is our number one priority. So Mandy called them up. He comes over. He has me sign a document called a proposal contract. And then he also writes on the back of my direct-to-pay authorization that I have a leak in the front. He tells me a storm date, which is different than the date that we're meeting on, and even different than the date that I had seen the water. And he tells me, oh, this is from high winds. Everything is like high winds down here. So, and then he sits down next to me at the computer and assists me in filing an insurance claim. The contractor hadn't even been up on the roof to inspect it. But he puts down December 2018 on the paperwork, the very same day that severe weather and wind did hit Florida. But it was more than a year before Mandy had any roof issues. And by the way, the proposal contract which Mandy provided to us has both an Angie's List logo and a Better Business Bureau A-plus rating logo in the upper right-hand corner. But Mandy, of course, wasn't feeling that she was getting that A-plus rated service. So she spends the next several weeks going back and forth with Marlin Construction Group, trying to sort this all out. And this company never came back to do the work. They tried to leverage this document into getting me to sign a power of attorney in assignment of benefits. This went on until February of 2020, when I asked them just to cancel my file. No work had been done on my home. The company's never even been on my roof. My home had been taking on water that entire time. Assignment of benefits, also known as AOB. It's very common in property insurance lawsuits in Florida. And here's how it works. A contractor or attorney has the homeowner sign over their property insurance policy to them so that any money collected in an insurance claim goes directly to the attorney or contractor, not the policyholder. It's common and legal. But here comes your plot twist. In Florida, lawyers often sue insurance companies for much more than the actual repair costs. And because of that AOB, they get to collect the extra cash. In fact, since 2013, insurance companies made $15 billion in payouts in Florida. Less than 10% of that went to policyholders and more than 70% went to attorneys. What's more, the Sunshine State is a standout nationwide. More than 75%, three-quarters of all property insurance litigation in the entire country originates in Florida. The construction firms are being aided by attorneys and they're tying everybody up in litigation. I can promise you that the homeowner has no idea what they're getting into. They think, you know, oh, this is the path to, you know, I'm going to save my home. I'm going to have a healthy place to live. You know, I have mold in my house now. I have water stains on my ceilings. Mandy Wells in Cape Coral again. It's taken more than two years of legal battles with Marlin Construction Group and her insurance company, but Mandy will finally get her roof fixed in a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, her premium has gone up a lot. 
It went from $800 a year to $2,700 a year. It's more than tripled since 2017. All the while, Mandy's coverage has gone down. And on top of that, her current insurance company sent her a non-renewal notice for the coming year, meaning she's got to find a new policy by next month. Before, I maybe had like three or four companies to choose from. There was one company to choose from. That was it. But you know, it's just like paying for gas. You just you just put your card in the machine and you just look away and you just do it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so the sting is over. But if insurance premiums keep rising the way they are, Mandy doesn't know how much longer she can stand that sting. If it's going to triple for every couple of years, I mean, we're basically almost single income household um, because I do. I am a stay-at-home mom with my special needs son that I do homeschool. We would have to consider making some kind of change. I, I don't know how much longer we could even afford to stay in the house. I, 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 maybe I'm just fixing up the house for someone else to move into. It's just incredible. It's incredible what's happening. It's incredible that Tallahassee can't do more for homeowners because we're the ones that are, we're losing. We're losing. Mandy Wells of Cape Coral, Florida, for now. Well, you know, we like to look at things as systems on this show. And when there's one specific part of a system that's so out of whack, you've got to wonder what exactly is going on. So Mark Friedlander, he's the director of corporate communications for the Insurance Information Institute, a nonpartisan, nonprofit focused on insurance in Florida. And he joins us from St. John's, Florida. Mark, welcome to On Point. Thanks so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. Okay, so first of all, uh, we picked Mandy to tell us her story, but how many similar stories like that are going on in Florida? Well, Miss Wells has a very legitimate claim and was clearly taken advantage of by a fraudulent roofer. That, that, that there's no question about that. There's no gray areas. But the bigger problem we're seeing are bands of unscrupulous roofers going door to door in neighborhoods across Florida soliciting claims. And when we mean soliciting claims, in most cases, these are not legitimate losses. There's nothing wrong with these roofs other than wear and tear. These should not be covered losses under the insurance policy. And many times a roofer will come to your door, tell you there's been recent storm activity in your area. We're working with your neighbors. We'll take a free roof, a free look at your roof. And if we find any damage, we'll handle everything with your insurance company. You only need to pay the deductible. Well, here's the problem. That roofer goes up on top of your house and many times intentionally causes more damage to take pictures and then show the insurer there is a large percentage of, da of damage. Typically in Florida, it is the 25% rule, meaning 25% of your roof surface mm -hmm. is damaged. It is a covered loss. They will intentionally do that. And they've been caught on camera by many uh, homeowners across the state doing this. So once again, these are fraudulent bands of roofers knocking on doors. And while Miss Wells has a specific issue, that's not the norm. The norm is these unsolicited uh, claim issues where uh, you have the roofers coming to your door. Okay, Mark. So I have to say, I thought that Mandy's story was outrageous enough, but to hear that that's actually not the limit of um, the kind of behavior that we're seeing in Florida is quite something. But so let me ask, the, the roofers are doing what you're saying they're, 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 they're doing. But in addition, I mean, we have this issue of the AOB, right, that, that we brought up. I mean, can you tell us about the, the process by which um, these claims, whether authentic or, or, or fraudulent, then turn into these giant pieces of, of litigation and why that happens? Well, actually, uh, in and I know the case of Ms. Wells, that goes back a few years, but there has been legislation over the past few years to control the AOB process. Okay. So what roofers are doing now with these solicited claims, they're using something called a direction to pay agreement. Similar to an AOB, it's still basically the same process where you, the homeowner, are turning over the claim to the contractor and the contractor takes care of everything in terms of billing the insurer and then potentially suing the insurer when the insurer 
disagrees with the bill and will not pay it because it's such an outrageous fee, typically double or triple the going rate for a roof replacement in that community. So direction to pay is just a way around the AOB restrictions that are now in place in Florida. But it's the same result. You have uh, unscrupulous roofer uh, doing a job that, first of all, is very questionable, then billing an insurer much above the rate. When they sue the insurer, the insurer has two choices. Take the case to court and try to settle uh, you know, through uh, a judgment or settle before it goes before the court. And either way, it's a very expensive proposition for the insurance company, and they're paying out these frivolous lawsuits by the thousands. Okay. And that's what's driving the problem of the major losses for insurance companies in Florida. So, because that, that brings us back to this stat that I touched on a little earlier, that while Florida has, what, 8% of all claims in the United States, it is the proud owner of 76% of the property insurance litigation <laughs> in the country. Well, actually, it's even worse than that. Our latest projection shows in 2021, Florida accounted for about 80% of property insurance claims in Florida. Over 100,000 property claim lawsuits were filed last year in the state of Florida. We analyzed this across the country. No other state had more than 900 property claim lawsuits filed. So Florida, 100,000 plus, no other state more than 900. And it's just a completely out of control situation. And, you know, we, we use the term runaway litigation. That's a nice way to say it. It's just really off the scale right now in terms of the volume of litigation being filed against Florida insurers. And the, the data we've seen for the first quarter of 2022 shows an uptick. So we're actually going further in terms of these frivolous lawsuits being filed against insurers this year. Well, folks, if you don't believe Mark Friedlander, listen to Florida's insurance commissioner, David Altmeyer, who says the insurance market in the state is in dire condition. We talk to a lot of other coastal states. We talk to states that have other catastrophe perils, and none of them have the litigation experience that we have. So we're talking about what's going on in Florida's property insurance market and how all of this litigation, this enormous mountain of litigation is having an impact on insurance companies and most importantly, homeowners in the Sunshine State. So we'll have a lot more when we come back. This is On Point. Support for the On Point podcast comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform that lets you find candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com onpoint. That's Indeed.com onpoint. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken? A podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. A recent episode featured a debate about ESG, or environmental social governance. This sounds like more work than just putting your money into a social impact fund. It's a lot more work. Yeah. Anybody who thinks there's an easy solution here is either engaged in puffery, greenwash, or deceiving themselves. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of the episode. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, and today we're talking about the cratering property insurance market in the state of Florida. Tasha Carter is Florida's insurance consumer advocate, and she says with the increases Florida residents are seeing on their property insurance rates, consumers are on, quote, life support. I've spoken with many consumers who've indicated that their rates have doubled and even tripled you know, in over a year, and in some cases, even more. We just had one insurance company in January requested rate increases of 84.5% and 111.1%. How are consumers supposed to pay for that? Well, as we're, and we're learning this hour, the reason why that's happening is the enormous 
super giant flood of property insurance litigation that's been going on in Florida. Mark Friedlander joins us today. He's director of corporate communications for the Insurance Information Institute, a nonprofit and nonpartisan group that's looking at the insurance situation in Florida. And and Mark, before we sort of advance forward to really understanding the pain felt across the insurance market here, I still want to fully understand how this is even possible, right? Because as we heard earlier uh, from, um, from, from, a, from state officials, this is truly unique to Florida. There are lots of other states that have, you know, similar foul weather conditions that they have to, or extreme weather they have to deal with all the time. But something different's happening in Florida. Is the litigation that you've been talking about, is it, is it legal, first of all? It is. There have been several state Supreme Court rulings that have ruled in favor of policyholders against insurers. And that pretty much has opened the floodgates to these issues. One dealt with a property claim, and that was the pretty much the kickstart for these roof replacement schemes. And then in 2017, a Florida Supreme Court ruling called the uh, Joyce versus Federated National Insurance Company case overturned a long-standing application of contingency attorney fee multipliers, which award plaintiff lawyers two to two and a half times their hourly rate. Uh, Previously, contingency fee multipliers were to be applied only in rare and exceptional cases. However, this 2017 court decision opened the opportunity for multipliers to be applied in a very liberal manner to all insurance cases. So plaintiff attorneys in Florida can now seek two to two and a half times their hourly rate in all property insurance cases. So let's give an example. Say somebody sued their insurer for $100,000 because they denied a property claim. So when the court rules in favor of that policyholder, the policyholder gets the 100000 uh, that they filed the claim for and why the suit was filed in the first place, the attorney could walk away with several hundred thousand dollars, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $600,000. They keep all that. That doesn't go to the policyholder. Policyholder only gets what their claim was worth. The, the attorney walks away with you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you keep seeing this in cases across the state. So that's why so many insurers now are reluctant to go to court, even if they consider one of these roof schemes uh, a inappropriate claim. They're willing to settle with that contractor than try to take it to court. Oh, fascinating. Okay, so there are some specific names that we should talk about here. And and by the way, a little later, we're going to hear from a Florida state senator who's trying to do something about this. But first of all, there's an interesting character uh, um, at the center, near the center of, of what we're talking about, Miami attorney Anthony Lopez. Now, he's filed the most property insurance cases in Florida so far this year. So we're in the beginning of May of 2022, and Mr. Lopez has already filed 1,298 cases against insurance companies, and he says every single one of them is justified. It upsets me when insurance companies try to point the finger at lawyers. They want to charge everyone as much money as possible. And then when you make a claim, because you have damages to your house, whether your roof is 20 years old or one year old, they don't want to pay. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about Anthony Lopez. Mr. Lopez is a reality TV star. He and his wife appear on The Real Housewives of Miami, a very popular basic cable program across the country. And Mr. Lopez boasts about his lavish lifestyle that is based on the fact he is collecting big payments from insurance companies. He talks about his private jet, his yacht, his world uh, trips, you know, uh, vacations across the world to exotic places. He has has an Instagram page where he shows the checks he has received from the insurance companies that he received X amount from a certain insurance company. He just loves to boast that he collects from insurance companies, and he's certainly making a very good living suing insurance companies. And that is a real problem. 
because we've already seen other attorneys that have been sanctioned by the Bar Association have had their licenses revoked because they are abusing the system. And while Mr. Lopez may say he's working within the system, there's no doubt there have been uh, allegations filed against him with the bar, and he is probably being investigated at this point for that high volume of lawsuits being filed in such a short time frame. Something just is off the mark there. Yeah. Um, God bless Florida for doing everything in excess. But uh, but but nevertheless, what uh, Anthony Lopez said in that in that clip where he claims that like, every single one of these claims is is uh, uh, is justified. That does actually part of it t- does ring true to some homeowners, right? Because the homeowners themselves, the litigation aside, struggle with insurance companies. I mean, we heard from one of them, Colby from Orlando, who said that after a massive hurricane in 2017, his roof was damaged, but he had to sue his insurance company to get his claim approved. They determined in their test that only 23.9% of the roof was damaged and it needed to be 25% of the roof needed to be damaged in order for them to replace it. So we gave them a final offer and in the end we had to take them to court. We eventually won, but had for the homeowner's insurance, it's just a game of numbers. They just want to deny, deny, deny and get enough people to drop the litigation against them. Now, Mark Friedlander, um, I, I do take your point about the seemingly out-and-out fraudulent activity that you, you talked about at the beginning of the show. But does does this frustration that homeowners have with insurance companies trying to get you know below that for roofing, that 25% damage rate in order to not have to pay out, does that play a role in what's happening in Florida right now? Well, in Florida and every other state, you're always going to have situations where there may be a dispute between the homeowner and their insurer. That happens. And, you know, without looking at every individual case, I can't really comment yeah. on a specific case. However, just compare Florida to the rest of the country. So what some attorneys tell us is all these problems with insurers in Florida, that means there's no problems in every other state because, you know, I told you a few minutes ago, the average uh, or the highest level we saw, rather, in every other state last year in terms of property claim litigation, 900. And that includes Louisiana, which has had 600,000 hurricane claims filed in the last two years. So you have no more than 900 lawsuits filed in Louisiana and over 100,000 in Florida. You mean to tell me that homeowners have not had issues with their insurers in Louisiana? We know they have. They've talked to the media about this. We've heard the stories. Yet, there's a small volume of lawsuits. It's the way the Florida system is set up. It's so easy to sue an insurer, and it's such a big payday for uh, trial attorneys when they do sue an insurer based on this fee multiplier we talked about, that it's just open season on insurance companies. So it's not questioning whether somebody has a legitimate claim that's being denied. It's taking advantage of a system that's mm-hmm. in place here in Florida. And so then, again, we talked about that $15 billion uh, of payout since 2013. Um, there, There's a enormous, I was going to call it a ripple effect, but it's a, become a tsunami across the entire insurance market in Florida. We heard about how uh, uh, premiums are rising, sometimes doubling and tripling for uh, policy holders. It's also having a, an impact on, for example, um, insurance brokers in Florida. We talked to to one, Joe Carlucci, and his brother Matt own Brightway Insurance, a brokerage in Jacksonville, and they opened in 2013 and have weathered some ups and downs in the market, but they've never seen anything like this. We've never seen just the catastrophic event like it is right now. I mean, we're getting hundreds of phone calls and emails about rate increases, non-renewals, companies going out of business. So it's it's really just kind of a scramble to to keep people covered. I talked about those doubling and tripling premiums, but the biggest issue, Joe says, is finding insurers who are even willing now to take on new customers. We're seeing a lot of strict guidelines, like we won't take a roof that's over 10 years old. Like that's that's almost becoming the norm. And it used to be 20. So that's that's crazy. That's really hard 
for people to replace a roof that's 10 years old, and it's perfectly fine. And Joe told us that some companies won't insure customers whose homes were built before 2010, which, as you can imagine, eliminates many homeowners. And as a result, Joe has few options for people, making his job very hard. Whereas three years ago, we were giving people like three or four options. We were like, hey, company A is a thousand bucks a year. Company B is fifteen hundred, but they're a little bit of a better company. You know, people want to see kind of what the options are. And right now there's just like no options. It's like, hey, this is here's your policy. Here's your quote that you have to have ultimately. So what this means is that many people end up going to one other place because brokers like Joe Carlucci can't find them an affordable policy. And that place is Florida's state-run insurance company. So here's Barry Gilway, the CEO and president of Citizens Property Insurance, the state-run insurance option. I would say very, very few additional companies are writing business. And, you know, we're the only place for those um, insurers to go. We are, frankly, for those insurers, we are really the last resort. But we are becoming the only resort. Well, for Joe Carlucci and other insurance brokers like him, though, for everyone that goes to Citizens Property Insurance, that means he loses out on commission. It's not really benefiting the agents. It's not really benefiting customers. It's not really benefiting insurance companies. So, you know, I mean, I guess the people that are getting paid on the claims, So I think, you know, roofers are definitely making a solid living right now. That's Joe Carlucci. He co-owns Brightway Insurance with his brother in Jacksonville, Florida. So Mark Friedlander, how would you describe uh, the condition um, that the property insurance market is, uh, is in overall in Florida? We call the Florida property insurance market the most volatile in the U.S. It has the most turmoil right now. In fact, just in the last 60 days, three Florida property insurers have been declared insolvent. And we have a fourth company, one of the largest writers in the state, that is on the brink of insolvency. In fact, this company based out of South Florida did a filing with the SEC last week that indicated they may no longer be able to continue to operate after having their financial rating downgraded. So we've got a serious issue. There are eight to 10 other insurers that are being carefully watched by the rating agencies and the regulators in the state. And we've got an all-out crisis here where we're going to get to the point where the private insurance market in Florida collapses, meaning there'll be no options to get your insurance with a private home insurer. You'll either have to go with Citizens if they'll take you. And Citizens also has their underwriting criteria, for example, based on roofs and claim issues in your history, et cetera, where they may not write your home. And then you're talking about what's called the surplus market. In the surplus market, those are non-admitted carriers. They're not regulated by the state of Florida. They could charge basically whatever rate they deem appropriate for the risk that they're writing. And they also are not backed up by the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund, which is a reinsurance fund for Florida insurers, or the Florida Insurance Guarantee Association, which pays out claims to policyholders of liquidated insurers. So that puts the homeowner in a very precarious position. They're paying more, probably getting less overall coverage, and there's no backstop if that particular surplus writer went out of business. So it's a real problem we're facing here. Mark, this is dire. I mean, you you are talking about the collapse of the private insurance market in Florida. It is just disappearing, and we're seeing the highest rate increases in the country, as the Carlucci's mentioned to you uh, in your interview. Uh, The average rate increase we saw in the past year was about 3,600 in Florida. Nationally, the average premium for a home is about 1,400, so well over double. We're projecting 30 to 40 percent increases across the board in Florida this year, with many homeowners seeing 50, 75, or 100 percent or more 
increases. In fact, we know some homeowners that have seen tripling of their premium in just over the past two years. You look at this nationally, nationally, it's single digits. It's about four to 5% what we see the average premium increase in most other states. And here we are in Florida, well into the double digits mm. and sometimes triple digit increases. Okay. I, I don't mean to make light of this, but there's this like internet meme floating through my head right now of this woman looking around her and, and just pointing and saying, that's not how any this is supposed to work. That's not how any of this is supposed to work. Kind of like being dumbfounded by the situation. So let's try to figure out what can be done for Florida. I'd like to introduce into the conversation Jeff Brandis. He's a Republican state senator in Florida, has been serving in the legislature since 2012, and also sits on the Senate Banking and Insurance Committee. Senator Brandis, welcome to On Point. Great to be with you. Okay, so first of all, tell us a little bit about whether uh, or not you believe that this catastrophic scenario that, that Mark Friedlander is describing, can it be fixed for Floridians? Absolutely, it can be fixed. But understand that we have a patient on life support, and that life support is failing. We have essentially have is litigation and attorneys who have weaponized the law of Florida. And, and Florida, honestly, real estate, the, the property insurance industry is really the Achilles heel of the Florida real estate market. So we've got to get these things under control. And that fundamentally means we've got to realign incentives. Uh, right now, the incentive is to take your insurer to court. And so the legislature has to do the hard work of realigning incentives. For example, you, talk, you spent a portion of the segment talking about 25% roofs. Well, in every other state in the country, it's over 50% of the roof has to be damaged before the, the roof is replaced. Simple things like that could have radical impact on the property insurance crisis in Florida. Okay, so Senator Brandis, stand by here for just a moment, and Mark Friedlander as well, because when we come back, I want to talk about um, attempts that have come already in the past several years to reform uh, the property insurance market in Florida, and Senator Brandis, what you're you're trying to work on now as well, because this is an emergency situation uh, in the Sunshine State. So we'll have a lot more when we come back. This is On Point. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Hi, On Point listeners. I'm poet and author Shinyi Pai. As you celebrate Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I invite you to listen to the 10,000 Things podcast from KUOW and the NPR Network. 10,000 Things is a podcast about modern artifacts of Asian American life, ordinary objects that tell extraordinary stories and reveal something profound about the experience of being Asian in America. Find 10,000 Things from KUOW and the NPR Network wherever you get your podcasts. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, and I just want to make a quick note about a show we're working on for later this week. The United States is approaching a milestone, one million dead from COVID-19, and that means many more millions Americans, millions of Americans, are trying to figure out what life looks like without the person they love. And so I want to know if, for you who's listening, if you've lost a loved one to COVID, how do you want them to be remembered. I want you to tell us about them and who they were, what they meant to you, and what you lost when they died. Call with your story at 617-353-0683. That's 617-353-0683. That's for later this week. Today, we are talking about 
the cratering of the Florida property insurance market due to, uh, I was going to say an excess, but it's even more than that. It is an enormous glut of litigation uh, coming out of the state. In Florida, Florida is responsible for more than three quarters of all the property insurance litigation in the entire country, just one state. We've got a comment here uh, from Facebook where Richard Herring says this has been the number one issue in the state for a decade. Homeowners insurance is driving families out of their homes and out of Florida. It's a problem that indicates a complete failure of leadership with Florida governors and legislatures. Mark Friedlander joins us today. He's director of corporate communications for the Insurance Information Institute, a nonpartisan is a nonprofit. He's with us from St. John's, Florida. And joining us from St. Petersburg is Jeff Brandis. He's a Florida state senator and sits on the Senate Banking and Insurance Committee, Republican of Florida, also called for a special session on insurance. Now, Senator Brandis, let me ask you quickly. Um, obviously, this has been going on for several years, and I wonder um, what sort of stymied previous efforts to reform, because I understand that in Texas, for example, they did have an excessive litigation problem, you know, following the um, you know the terrible ice and hail storms that Texas experienced, and the Texas how, um, state house managed to clamp down on it on it, and it worked. If I understand correctly, Florida tried to pass some similar legislation last year, and it failed. Why is that? Well, I don't know that it's 100% failed, but okay. it just hasn't kicked in to, to the level that it ha- it needs to. Um, the challenge is anytime Florida passes a law, it takes 18 to 24 months really for that to kick into the insurance world because people are under current contracts and you have to wait for the renewal cycle to take place. But the problem is much larger than that. The simple truth is the trial bar is making gobs of money. They're spending a portion of that in campaign contributions and helping po- politicians. And all they're asking them to do is do nothing, which is the easiest thing in the world for a politician to do. Punt till the next year. And unfortunately, the, the lawyers are ultimately going to kill the goose that laid the golden egg for them because this, this market's going to have to shift. We are on an unsustainable trajectory. Rates cannot continue to double and triple every year. Uh, Mark Friedlander, how um, powerful would you describe the trial bar as being um, you know, in the Florida State House? Well, it seems extremely powerful, as Senator Brandis said. Uh, Every time a tort reform-related measure uh, moves along through the legislature, it seems to die in committee, never makes it to a full four vote. And that's because the trial bar is contributing to many members of the legislature. And it's in the best interest of these legislatures, let's be honest, to accept that money. They need that money for their campaign fund. They would rather accept the contributions than help their constituents. That's the bottom line here. And we've seen this year after year. Some great legislation has been introduced, including uh, pieces of legislation by Senator Brandis, but they never make it to the finish line because of the trial bar lobbyists getting involved here. Okay. And it's, oh, go ahead, Senator, go ahead. And I would argue it's even worse than that. They figured out long ago, why should we support legislators when we can become them? So if you want to look at some of the state senators that we have today, they're the former presidents of the trial bar. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot worse than, than just campaign contributions. It's the active engagement uh, of their members running for office and, and getting elected. Well, I'm seeing here uh, an interesting example of that. Senator Gary Farmer, again, if I have this right, a Democrat, uh, also a former trial bar lobbyist, but now a state senator who, for example, was advocating against some reforms uh, in motor vehicle uh, uh, insurance uh, a couple of years ago. He actually has also uh, put out recently a press release just last month um, about your special session, Senator Brandis. And and he said, uh, Senator Farmer said, while it's important to note that the call for action is bipartisan, it should be understood that solutions considered in a special session should be focused on measures that will directly benefit consumers in the state. And he says... Um, we have to address our property insurance crisis, and the only way to effectively do so is to ensure that insurers are held accountable to their obligations to their customers uh, because they wrongly deny or limit claims on a repeated basis and then pass the penalties for doing so onto ratepayers in order to protect their own bottom lines. You want to respond to that, Senator? Well, I think at the end of the day, we've got to fundamentally realign incentives. That's the key. We've got to have people people need to see their home insurance not as a home maintenance contract 
where, hey, listen, I paid in for every for for years, and you know what, I, my roof is 25 years old, and I need a brand new roof, so I'm just going to file an insurance claim. That's what's going on here in the state right now. And so, until we fundamentally realign incentives, we're not going to get what we need. Listen, if you go out and get in a car accident in your brand in, in your car that's 10 years old. Your car insurance company is not going to replace it with a brand new car. They're going to give you the cash value for the older car. In Florida, if you have a 20-year-old roof, they're going to replace it with a brand new roof. They're not going to give you the cash value for that. Why? Because it's illegal in Florida to give you the actual cash value for your roof um, in, in most cases. So that, that's the problem is we have to realign incentives right now in order to have people work with your insurance company and see them as a partner, not as an opposing force. Yeah. So, I mean, I take your point and I'm still quite, um, uh, I was going to say taken or just repeating my repeat a word. I try to be careful about that. But anyway, I'm still quite taken about the fact that, um, as you said, Senator Brandis, that um, there are many, you know, former members of the trial bar itself uh, in the Florida state legislature. I pointed out um, State Senator Gary Farmer, a Democrat here. But in addition to that, um, there's another factor here, because as far as we can understand, um, there are some folks in Florida who look at the biggest holdout for reform as being um, the current uh, speaker of the House in Florida, and he's a Republican, Speaker Chris Sprouls. And recently, here's what he had to say. Last year, we passed one of the most ex- most expansive uh, reforms to the insurance industry that's ever been done in Florida. One thing that happens is that you talk about this all the time is that it takes 18 months to see those reflected in the rates. We're about six months out from that. The other thing that nobody talks about when you talk about those companies that are going out of business is that those were companies who were allowed into Florida when our regulations were significantly lower and they were wildly undercapitalized. So they were stealing from Peter to pay Paul the entire time they've been in business in the state of Florida. Okay, so that's Republican House Speaker Chris Sprouls. Now, Mark Friedlander, I want to respond to two things he said there. First of all, saying um, that because of the time it takes to fully um, enact changes, legislative changes in Florida, that it sounds as if Speaker Sprouls is saying things could get better uh, in, say, half a year from now. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, let me just explain, you know, building on what Senator Brandis said, Speaker Sprouse is a practicing attorney. That's his livelihood. So take it with a grain of salt, what he says. And he's been very much opposed to enacting any new reforms this year. In fact, he blocked every bill that the Senate passed in the 2022 regular session. None of them made it out of committee to a floor vote. He's given a very lukewarm analysis of the special session, has not indicated that he's willing to move any more than he did during the regular session. So we're very concerned about about that approach with this special session just a couple weeks away. And in terms of saying last year's bill, let's give it more time. Well, here's one big issue we have with that. Senate Bill 76 uh, was, was a good bill. We all agree on that. But there was a major provision in that bill which would have slowed down this door-to-door roofer solicitation process. Well, here's what happened. Shortly after the bill was put into law, signed by Governor DeSantis, two contractors went to a federal court in Tampa, and the judge ruled in their favor that this provision of Senate Bill 76, the solicitation provision, was a violation of First Amendment rights. So basically, that key provision, which would have stopped these door-to-door solicitations, was stopped in its tracks. And as a result, we've seen a ramp up across the state in door-to-door roof claim solicitations. I've had three roofers come to my door in just the last two weeks, including the same person who claims they've never been here before. So it's just completely out of control. And until you stop these fraudulent roof replacement schemes, nothing is going to help solve the problem here in Florida. Mark, my jaw has been hitting the desk repeatedly over the course of this hour. But Senator Brandis, though, so then let me turn back to you. Okay, let's focus on the fraudulent, um, the the, the door-to-door solicitations, as as Mark just has repeatedly described to us. If you have the state Supreme Court of Florida saying it is an an infringement on free speech, essentially, for people to come to the, the, the front door of homeowners and essentially start a process where fraudulent claims and then 
uh, frivolous lawsuits are going to be filed. That's that's a pretty hard brick wall that a legislature legislature seeking to reform is going to run into. Is there a way around that, Senator? Absolutely. So what what they did, the legislature did last year was not close the loophole. They just said simply don't talk about the loophole. That's essentially the policy that they they put out there. And the argument that, oh, we did a lot last year and we're not planning to do more this year is is what I believe is the policy or strategy of hope. And I'm somebody who believes that hope is not a strategy. You actually have to act. And we know what's causing the problems. We, We have to act on it. So we need to adjust and allow for actual cash value of roofs. We need to go back and make uh, the the attorney's fees, uh, the, the fee multiplier rare and exceptional, like it is in 49 other states and the federal government, uh, where they have this rare and exceptional standard, but not the standard that Florida has, which basically anybody could file for a free multiplier. So ultimately, we know what the solutions are, and they are copying the best practices of other states. Florida just hasn't implemented them, and it's largely because the trial bar is raking in the cash and, you know, all they need to do is kill it off one more year and billions and billions of dollars flow into their pockets. Mm. Well, then let me also get your take on the second half of what uh, Speaker Chris Sproul said in that uh, tape that we played where, you know, had, Mark had been previously describing basically the vaporizing a lot of a lot of um, private insurance companies in in Florida because of the how um uh, out of whack the market is right now. But Sproul's seemed to indicate that that was going to happen anyway because the companies were wildly undercapitalized to begin with. So, you know, he doesn't seem to be troubled by that. Senator Brandis, your response to that? My response is simply that, that, that many of these companies came in, but they have to comply with current regulations. So as the capital requirements increased, they had to meet the new capital requirements. You know, I, I, think, I think they're just either uneducated on the topic or they aren't paying their own bills because let me tell you, my friends and neighbors are all seeing their rates going doubling or tripling. Uh, and, and it's not going to be long in Florida before people start paying more in their property insurance than they are in their mortgage. So look, at the end of the day, hope is not a strategy. We have to act. The legislature has to address these issues and it needs to simply just do what it knows it needs. It has to do, which is following the best practices of these other states. Mm. Okay, so you wrote the letter asking for the special legislative session, which is going to happen from May 23rd to May 27th, to look at this property insurance problem specifically. Can can you tell me, um, Senator Brandis, what do you hope to accomplish? What would be your measurables coming out of that special session? Sure. The number one thing we can do is realign incentives so that people have the op- they have the incentive to work with their property insurance company to solve these issues. Uh, and that's that's by allowing for actual cash value on claims, for dealing with uh, potentially higher deductibles and allowing more flexibility for property insurers to write other types of products versus a full replacement cost of the roof. But fundamentally, it's realigning incentives. It's addressing the AOB problem. That is a, still a huge problem in the state of Florida, and it's growing again. Uh, whether it's direction, whether it's noted directions to pay or other types of kind of quasi AOBs, it's addressing those issues as well. It's ending the fee multiplier that is, and, and moving it back to the standard of 49 other states in the federal government, because that hangs like a, a sword over the head of property insurers. Uh, but th- those are the kind of three or four main points that we've got to address. And there's a lot of other little cleanup work we need to be doing, but fundamentally it's realigning incentives so that you know people can price their policies in their pocketbooks and they're willing to work with their insurance companies to resolve these issues. Well, State Senator Jeff Brandis, a Republican and serving since 2012, who called for this special session that's going to take place in Florida later this month, joining us today from St. Petersburg. Senator Brandis, thank you so much for being with us. Great to be with you. Okay, Mark Friedlander, we've got uh, about a minute and a half left here. First of all, given what you know about previous reform efforts uh, and the the power of the trial bar, as we've been talking about, the the very sort of concrete and specific goals that Senator Brand has just laid out for us, do you think it'll be possible to achieve them? Very challenging in the current environment, Meg. You know, we've seen great pieces of legislation introduced, important pieces of legislation, and then by the time they get to the finish line, many don't get passed by both chambers or they're a watered-down version of what was originally uh, meant by by the bill, what was originally introduced. It's not the same version that Senator Brandis or another uh, legislator had introduced. It's a different version. It's not a strong enough version when the final 
bill is passed. So that's a problem. And right now, we don't know where the House sits. We know uh, Speaker Sprouse has gone on record numerous times talking about waiting for the 2021 Senate Bill 76 to kick in to see the ultimate results of that piece of legislation. He's not real positive on new legislation. We're not hearing anything from him right now that indicates he's ready to completely move off of his position that he had throughout the regular session that entered in March. So we're very concerned. Will the parties come together and agree on the strong pieces of legislation that Senator Brand has talked about today? I mean, Florida voters, this might be a moment to put national politics aside and literally vote your pocketbook when it comes to property insurance, because it sounds like one of the ultimate fixes here might be sending a different crop of people to the Florida State House. But Mark Friedlander, director of corporate communications for the Insurance Information Institute, a nonpartisan nonprofit group looking at the insurance market in Florida. Mark, it's been an eye-opening experience for you being on this show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Good luck, Florida. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. This is On Point. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Listen on for a preview of one of the episodes. Can Profit Motive Save the Planet? Is a company that takes the climate into account a better investment? How about one that pays workers a living wage and champions transparency and board diversity? That's the idea of ESG, or Environmental Social Governance. Sounds like a wonderful story. You can make more money, you can save the planet at the same time. Almost no one is going to turn that down. It's a story that Andy King of Questrom and Veet Hennish of the Wharton School challenged during a recent event at Questrom. Professor King played the critic, who says these are problems for regulation to solve, not markets. As a famous economist said to me, you can't fix externalities with the profit motive, because the profit motive is not linked to externalities. Externalities are the byproduct of pursuing profits. So you can't fix them by getting people to even look harder at profits. Meanwhile, Veet emphasized that ESG can be an important part of the solution. Regulation matters, and we need better regulation. And we need to reallocate trillions of dollars of capital over time to the climate transition alone, forgetting social justice, racial justice, and other ESG issues. We're going to need the profit motive for that. No government regulation is going to reallocate tens of trillions of dollars of capital alone. It's going to be investors who are looking at current government regulation and future government regulation and trying to connect the dots. Find the full episode by searching for Is Business Broken wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about the Mayrotra Institute for Business, Markets and Society at ibms.bu.edu.